The world outside your window still not great, but here on Post Show Recapsule, everything's at least a widow bit super. Isn't that right? Just like a widow bit super. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wow. the monk. Wow, wow, wow. Josh wow. Regler here, Kevin Mahideo. We're still talking Black Widow. We're still talking Loki. And Kevin, among the reasons why I was so disappointed to have to miss last week's podcast, was I was so excited to bring that in. It was like a widow bit super. That's- I thought that was pretty good. It's really good. That's really good. I thought that it's was really all right. good. I thought appropriate. That, that was okay. Uh, Some talk- good punnage. You know, we everything's been low key super for a little while. Let's make a just a little it's bit a little more bit. super. It's just a little bit. Uh, yeah. We're we're gonna talk more Black Widow. We're gonna talk more Loki. We've got some feedback. We have got some business to attend to. I think some just like general ranting and rambling. I think is what's gonna go down because I need to have my say. I have a podcast, and you're gonna hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably, you didn't. Uh, you don't follow. Did you follow? my rule i don't even know do you listen to other podcasts if you're not on it? i i try to i certainly listened to <laughs> you last tried week to. you heard enough of me and you were like eh, no i listened i listened to to you and mike talking and of course as always always appreciative when mike bloom uh you called mike bloom he answers the call like a true hero he is an avenger of sorts even if we called him the loki of the post show recaps podcasting <laughs> universe so grateful to mike for uh for jumping in i guess this is probably the point where we should just like tell you some of the stuff that's going on on the podcast right now today we're going to do more loki finale coverage just more loki season one coverage generally i think as we are going to talk about everything uh that's gone down you know now that we've got some distance from it we'll talk black widow a little bit more as well but some programming notes next week everything is super we're going to take the week off we're giving ourselves a little bit of a break especially kevin like you have gone non-stop here i think you could use the break here on everything is super we'll pump the brakes just for a moment here uh if you need your friday kevin mahadeo fix however uh this uh this person's got you covered kevin what do you do that uh drops on the post show recaps patron feeds on friday and where are you at in this journey oh man uh what i do is i partner with melissa woodward uh and we ask very important question which is why a that's right why a is the young adult podcast that melissa woodward and i do for the post show recaps patrons in which we cover young adult fiction um and media specifically adaptations and we kicked it off with a a a doozy of a franchise we were covering twilight the twilight saga that's right on netflix now added too so it's on yeah, netflix and it's wild in the top five in the top 10 all five movies have been in the top 10 of netflix um for quite a while now which is so wonderfully amusing to me um but we are we are doing that we are getting we are deep into the franchise because we are coming up onto breaking dawn and Ben Breaking Dawn Part 2, the final two installments, which was really just one book that they decided to split into two This is movies. a very, like, classic uh, mid to, uh, like, end of, like, the early aughts, beginning of the tens. Like, this was something that was really happening in Hollywood. It was like, let's oh, take yeah, that final book thing. and break it in half. It's all uh, it's all because of Harry Potter. I mean, that's that's where it started, and uh, because Harry Potter did it to much success, but I feel like there are reasons that happened. Uh, that book is huge. There was a lot that happened in that last book. Uh, but they did it for like, oh, we're going to do it for Twilight. We're going to do it for Hunger Games. We're going to do it for <laughs> originally planned for the Divergent series that never really saw full fruition. Uh, it was like a thing. Uh, but we've had a great time doing that. We recently had on a guest uh, for Eclipse, uh, Adam H. from the Post Show Recaps uh, p- patron uh, group and Discord. Uh, he came out to talk Eclipse with us. He was the biggest team edward fan wow. that we have heard from in a long time so it was really interesting having My that gosh. conversation 
highly encourage checking it out because it was a really, really fun discussion. And you're up to Breaking Dawn right now. So if people sign up, they're going to join just as you and Melissa are embarking on Breaking Dawn. Uh, I have not been indulging in YA, but the reaction has been huge. People really, really, really love the podcast. So strong recommend. It's just at that $5 level if you sign up. Patreon.com slash postshow recaps. Um, if you want to wait until the start of the month, the next month, uh, that's always a wise choice. Patreon uh, charges you at the start of a month. Um, so if you join uh, for August 1st, you're going to get a backlog of Twilight podcasts that are uh, that are that have been spectacularly received. Uh, sparkling endorsements. Uh, Kevin, I'm so glad I haven't had to do everything as sparkling myself and that you were able to do Twilight <laughs> in another way. So that Friday... Yeah, I'm glad you, it happened. If you need, if <laughs> I you didn't need, think I'd ever got to. If you need your Kevin fix, uh, that is, uh, that's what's going to be happening uh, in, in Kevin's neck of the woods. You'll be getting that by next Friday. Also in the Post Show Recaps patron community, uh, we are watching Batman Forever uh, for Post Show Recaps Watches, which is a podcast we do at the end of the month. Very loosey-goosey. We'll have a really loosey-goosey conversation about Batman Forever. So if you sign up on that Friday uh, or if you sign up by August 1st, is August 1st a Friday? Is that how it works out? Uh, no, it's definitely August not. August 1st is a Wednesday. It, no, <laughs> August 1st is a, is a Sunday. Uh, it's a Sunday. We yeah. don't know what days are anymore. I have no anymore. idea what time is anymore. But if you sign up for that August 1st, you'll have, uh, you'll have the Twilight Podcast. You'll have some Batman Forever. So you will not be far away from Kevin nor superhero hijinks. Uh, so consider it. We're taking that week off. Otherwise, when we come back, we are officially launching into our next everything is super endeavor uh at which point kevin i must say like um the world outside your window is not great but what if everything was super what if just what if just what if everything was super because we're going to be talking about marvel's what if the animated series set in the marvel cinematic universe or marvel cinematic universe adjacent i guess we're going to find out that we got a lot to talk about and speculate on that we will have a preview show we will have like a big full like speculative foray is going to be dropping in your everything is super podcast feed on august 6th and following that point we will be in what if proper it launches on August 11th. I'm going to miss the first two episodes of What If. Mike Bloom is going to hop in in my, uh, in my place once again. What If Everything is Super was hosted by Kevin Mahadeo and Mike Bloom instead of Kevin Mahadeo and Josh Wiggler. I think it's the question that you will ask over those first two weeks. And we'll see what your reactions are thus. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about What If with Mike, especially for our last conversation uh, in last week about Loki, we're both really hyped for that show, and I think we're both really into the concept of of what it can be. So we're really pumped there. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. I will miss you, Josh. But like, what Not if that I much, didn't? No, yeah, what if you what didn't? if I didn't? What if you didn't? <laughs> what if you didn't is a question that you will explore. So that's what's coming up on everything is super in the near term um, today. We have to we have to conclude our conversations, our two week conversation for me, one week for you, two weeks about Black Widow and Loki. And I know we started uh, with Loki last week. Let's start with Black Widow this time around. I think is the way to go. Uh, I don't know, Kevin. Do you have any questions for me about Black Widow? Like, what am I supposed to ask you? You already said everything. I mean, yeah. My questions are: uh, Did you like it? And the second question is. Uh, aren't I totally right, though, about what they should have done? Yes. <laughs> <Elena at> the <laughs> uh, I just love hearing that, like, oh, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. So the short answers to both of those questions are, 
yes. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, so just to do them really quickly, did I like it? Yeah, I totally did. I thought it was super fun. It was Black Widow. It was a big screen Marvel movie extravaganza that I watched not on the big screen. Uh, I really wanted this to be my first movie back in theaters, but just like travel wise, it didn't make sense. So I still haven't gone back to theaters. This would have been the one. Um, and so now like I have to think about, oh, well, what's going to be like worthy enough to, to pull me back into the theaters? Like, is it the Suicide Squad? Maybe let's put a pin in that. Uh, is it, uh, it sounds like it's not Snake Eyes, unfortunately. Uh, I would have really loved, uh, the, to, to gone and see that, but people have been unkind about that movie. That is unfortunate. It, I didn't even know that movie existed until I saw the trailer for it. And then I was just like, oh, Snake Eyes movie. And I was like, oh, Henry Golding, though. Apparently, so. he's great. People love him. Uh, well, but yeah, he's Henry Golding. A lot of people whose who's, uh, movie tastes I trust have said that, like, uh, it's just like, it's very, like, shakily filmed, which is, like, a non-starter for me. I get really mm, motion sick. Uh, yeah. I, I, I know I've told you the my Blair Witch Project story. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before. Like, I went as a kid to go and see Blair Witch Project uh, after, like, being away at summer camp for the summer and everybody hyping it up. And I came back and, like, I had to leave. I was so nauseous. Uh, it was just, like, I wasn't scared. I was, like, really genuinely, like, I was going to puke. And so we started, like, walking out of the theater. Uh, and someone on the outside, what's the matter, kid? You scared? I'm like, no, I'm going to throw up. Uh, and, <laughs> and so that's what happened there. Uh, so I don't need to, like, walk out of Snake Eyes because I'm going to puke. I could do that at home. Uh, so what's what's going to be... what's gonna to be the movie i don't know it was supposed to be black widow i saw it on like my computer in like my reaction to it was like oh wow uh, the disney plus shows have gotten really short uh <laughs> so like i can't really quite delineate the difference between it as a movie and the disney plus shows as a show that's a personal problem i i think but also probably something of an issue for people who didn't see it theatrically i wonder um that was like one of the the biggest takeaways that i had was like it almost felt like so slight in comparison to the fact that we're now getting like these like not quite six hour movies uh, to like go back to a not quite three hour film, like a two hour, you know, like two hour, 20 minute movie um, almost felt too short for me, which is like, I don't know, like maybe that's a problem that's uh, worthy of some level of discussion with like the current state of like uh, pervasive MCU everywhere. Like, has like, like it's almost like the Goldilocks problem. Like, you know what's the just right uh you know uh size of these things now that we can you know be movies and shows it was one of the big takeaways that i had watching the that's movie. really interesting i did not feel that and i think it's because i probably i went to the theater right this was my first movie back from uh back into the theater and i had a hell of experience it was great um had a really good time but yeah i didn't feel that and i think maybe it is because i was in a movie theater watching this big blockbuster that it didn't feel like just another one of the TV shows because the production value in the TV shows are so high. They're coming to the level of the movies that said, I mean, the fight choreography in black widow is a lot better than the fight choreography in Loki. Uh, oh yeah, but- for sure. For sure. Uh, Someone has to have a conversation with Tom Hiddleston about how to hold a sword, by the way. Uh, I really think <laughs> well, well, someone really maybe needs to t- talk to him about that. Loki, you shouldn't be just swinging a sword around half the time. Like, just it's 
I know he had the daggers and that's okay and stuff, but it's just, it is such a weird thing to. Few things take mm. me out of Loki more than Tom Hiddleston trying to fight is like one of my final conclusions of Loki. It was like, there's a couple, like a couple moments in the Loki finale where he like swivels around him and Sylvie like sort of like in tandem holding a sword out. It's like, what are you guys doing? You guys look so strange. This is not what, this is not what this is supposed to be. Half the conversation. This stuff is good. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. That's, that's getting ahead of ourselves. That's Loki talk. That's, Black Widow, though. That's Loki talk. The fight's great, right? Like, I mean, I think a lot of the the, the action in the, in that movie was really cool, and it was great to see that level of action done in, I think, a way that was super engaging to me. Um, like the Taskmaster stuff was 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 good. I mean, the one thing, the I'm curious what your take is because you heard me say it, right? Like, you are a fan of Final Fantasy, like that ending fight was like this is advent children like this is cloud and sephiroth in the middle of the city and like the falling wreckage yeah and the falling wreckage where physics is gone and like for them it works because they have materia and are basically gods but like when black widow is doing it it's a bit weird well it would work in a lot of uh different marvel properties i think um iron man sure (laughs) you know but like there there is something that's like a marvel there's something that's like a little bit more lo-fi about um like the world that uh that Black Widow occupies, I guess. Like even though it's like high tech sci-fi thriller, like I feel like there is supposed you know, supposed to be something like a little bit more grounded about the espionage thing is like a first instinct. But then like look no further than first of all, like the closest I think MCU analog to Black Widow would be the the uh would be the Winter Soldier, would be Captain America the Winter Soldier. That's another movie that ends with like a big aerial battle anyway that's like kind of reminiscent of this, except uh I think more restrained than what we get here, where it's really just like uh run, jump, flippy kicky, explodey, explodey stuff. It's not my it's not my favorite stuff, and it also like this is another example of like where for me, just like watching it on my computer on like the Disney Plus premium thing, um, like it just like felt like, I don't know, it felt a little light to me uh, and just did not feel as like cerebral and interesting as some of the the better moments of the three Disney Plus shows that have already aired so far. Um, so like if I were to like stack uh, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow and Loki together... I think I I I mean Loki and WandaVision I I think are probably pulling uh at the at the at the one two maybe flip them um and then I don't know necessarily where I'm at with Falcon uh versus Black Widow personally and I think like a lot of that had to do with like my my viewing experience and like the action scenes just like playing um kind of unspectacularly for me but i don't think that i was swept up in the spectacle the same way that people who went and got to see it um on a big screen were able to which like on one level because like i'm hearing overwhelmingly positive reactions to that stuff like that's great like there's a reason to have movie theaters like you know there's a (laughs) reason you know like there's a reason like you you have a visceral experience there uh that i feel like you you may miss in in other in other uh formats um i felt like i missed a little bit of something with the action less so with like the uh the first like um uh natasha and yelena uh big like chasing like that was really super fun um but that was so character driven too uh was, was why i really enjoyed that I have a question, though, then, because hearing what you're saying, one, I do think the Black Widow movie is much tighter and I think structurally better than both WandaVision and Loki. As much as I do love those shows, I think just 
structurally and story-wise it's tighter and i think it does a, a little bit of a better job because tv is broken up in many spaces and has to accomplish certain things it's is it like a chasm between them right is it is it a giant uh you know satellite in the sky and then the ground no right um but i think my question for you here is is it that the the quality or the level was 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 similar to black widow or not black widow to to wandavision and loki or just because the fight at the end that we're talking about here with taskmaster and all that it doesn't have the emotional connection doesn't have that that part because like that is the one thing i think it's tighter but that yeah. moment doesn't feel like the big action moment because she's going after you know like this taskmaster and her she's trying to save yelena yes but it's not the the crux because there's not the big connection taskmaster i do think isn't a powerful villain in terms of emotional connection and like um really like like how so many other villains we, we've experienced in the marvel cinematic universe so i think the impact isn't there whereas with loki there's so many things and same thing with uh wandavision so many things that connect us to what's happening in that final fight um so i know that like mike had talked about like uh people could potentially be like rightfully disappointed about taskmaster because taskmaster has a lot of personality in the comics and the taskmaster of the movie was was you know uh, like i think very intentionally devoid of that like um like the tragedy of taskmaster in the movie is that she was like an innocent victim of black widow's uh like uh like final decision to defect and join shield um and like her whatever it takes even if it takes like bombing this building with an innocent person inside um and like you know putting the 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 red in her ledger from from all of that um i i don't have a huge connection to the taskmaster of the comic so i really didn't care and i enjoyed your reaction to that too where you're like yeah you know whatever um like i i don't necessarily need that I, I definitely would have liked more characterization to to Taskmaster, and I think Taskmaster was like uh, very deeply underwritten. But I but I don't know that that's um, a bad thing necessarily. And I'd have to like chew on Black Widow a little bit more, see it a couple more times potentially to like really get to um, like my final place with it. But there is an there is a level to which I actually think um, what they did with that character was really interesting um, and actually pretty emotional insofar as what she represents for Natasha and like this really hard, uh, you know, like very morally gray decision, if not like outright, uh, like, uh, like bad choice that she made, like this, this hard, like soul corrupting choice that she made um, way back in the day to like break free, but at the expense of this innocent life. Now she's like face to face with the ghost of her past. She's literally face to face with her past. It's something of like, uh, like a funhouse mirror version of herself. And I think that's emulated in Taskmaster's fighting style. The fact that she's able to just like totally match, uh, Natasha, like move for move. The fact that like it is this person who is literally from, uh, you know, like the, the, the graveyard of her past who is now resurrected in this form and is um, equipped with like the moves of the Avengers too. So it is like really like the past meets the present for Black Widow. I think all of that is, is really, really interesting to me. And also that like in that final fight, um, Black Widow isn't trying to like kill Taskmaster. Black Widow is like trying to save Taskmaster. Like I think, I think that all of that stuff is interesting, but I do think it's just like, it is like, it's covered in a lot of CGI and it's covered in a lot of like explosive stuff and it's moving really fast. And I think that like, 
uh, it's not terribly far away from thematically what's going on with Steve and Bucky in, yep. in Winter Soldier, except I think like, um, th- that's rendered, uh, better for me because I think we're a little more emotionally connected to Bucky because we had a whole movie with him. So that's a character that like we actually know to a certain point at that point. Um, I think that the character, uh, that we're getting with Taskmaster, we we just don't have that connection with, even if you can kind of just like view her as a stand-in um, for Natasha herself. So I think like some of that stuff is going on. I like I really like what they're aiming for. I think like some of like the like the the choreography and the the like degree to which it's just like really Hollywood action movied up maybe takes me out of a little bit of uh, why it should be more emotionally resonant than it is because i think it's good on paper and i think like maybe it struggled a little bit for me in the execution yeah and i think that's extremely fair um I, you know it's funny because i was gonna say as as you were talking about it like maybe it would have been i think a, a little better too if if the reveal came halfway into the movie right like where you found that out and natasha's you know emphasis and motivations changed but then you bring up the exact fact of like something i thought about where it's just like the ending fight really is just like bucky and steve but then if they had did make the reveal halfway into the movie it really just would have been winter soldier because it's exactly what happened in winter soldier yeah so maybe they just should have made a slightly different movie and done something a little bit different with taskmaster as opposed to like hearkening back to essentially the ending fight um from winter soldier uh with steven bucky in that entire situation yeah it's one thing where you've seen something in a, in another movie it's a huge thing when you've seen it in a marvel movie yeah, it's just so it's so reminiscent of that. And I I wonder like how much is that by design? Uh because I think a lot of um you know a lot of the connection we have with Black Widow is like specifically like from uh the Captain America movies. She's so powerful in those. Uh so like throwing it back like there it's obviously like there's a lot of homage in this movie. Um from the fact that uh, as you and Mike were talking about um, how much of uh, this movie's like storyline is pulled from that conversation with Loki and Avengers? Like they really they dug deep and like turned like a lot of these like things that had been like uh, like uh, may have just been like almost like throwaway lines and like turned that into like an entire feature film um, is 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 really compelling. But like I do think that when you're doing that, like you're it's going to be hard to avoid comparisons. And so I think with how Winter Soldier. Um, handles it just like so iconically and there's just so much there between steve and bucky that just does not really exist between natasha and taskmaster here when you know it really is like extraordinarily emotionally resonant between natasha and yelena for for instance and just like add me to like um like the the florence pew 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 army like i (laughs) i i I love her i'm so pumped that yelena's in the mcu like yes uh, yes, if this movie accomplished only one thing and that was like bringing her into the mcu like hell yeah like i'm so here for it i'm really excited for hawkeye now and like what her role in that may entail and just like what her role in the future movies might be i just like i couldn't be more hyped uh about her she's so funny she's she's like she is just such an exceptional performer um i think like uh like obviously like she's such a she she like did really uh if if you haven't watched like the the instagram videos of like her and her stunt coordinator and like the the team ups that they did together like you can really tell that she just like threw herself into it um but she's so funny and she's so emotionally connected to the character that I think that she's going to be a great ambassador of the Black Widow uh, mantle moving forward, assuming that that is um, where they're going. But like that connection is so, so strong 
that like the end of the movie being about Black Widow, like saving someone else, or at least like sort of like um, her like final moments of the film being like um, intertwined with like this totally different character. Like, I want to see more of Natasha and Yelena together. I'm glad and that like, we've th- come back around to to, that, to my brilliant final statement. push. <laughs> and I mean, you you did mention this on the podcast, and I think I think that. Um, so there's there's just no connection to Endgame in this um, at all, other than the post credit scene of Yelena going to the grave, and uh, you know that's how we're reminded that Natasha is gone. Like, um, if not for that, then this is just a Phase Three movie, completely, right, which completely a Phase Three movie. The, the placement of it has always been my problem, and it's still yes, is you've been, my you've issue been saying this just... for you know since the genesis of everything is super. You've been saying this for the whole the whole way yep. through. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um. And I think you're right. I think like even like uh even if it was just like they like reused footage from Endgame from the scene with Natasha and and Steve in uh at Avengers HQ and like they're like you get Chris Evans back on screen and it's just like they're just using what they shot in Endgame and you just get like a reverse angle of Natasha looking at the computer and seeing um, all of the people who are gone, that Rachel Weiss and David Harbour and Florence Pugh, that they're all gone, um, would have just like lent so much more to the whatever it takes. I'm sure we will find out what happened to them during the blip. And I would imagine because of her sacrifice someday, like we will find out that they were all dusted. Yeah, but this was the place, to, this was the place right, to do it place for to sure. Do it. I totally agree. I completely agree. I think, um, the, yes, if they are saving it for something else, massive mistake. I think that is just withholding information to build interest in a way that doesn't serve, I think, the story ultimately. Um, is that unheard of? No. But, uh, you know, I think it does affect stuff, which is which is unfortunate. I mean, the, the, again, the, there's a lot I really loved about this movie, but that is something that does stick out to me as, as so weird and so odd and such a strange choice to just have her be like, I'm blonde now. I'm wearing the outfit that you were familiar with from Infinity War. I'm going to take this Quinjet. See y'all later. And it's just like, okay, I guess that's something. Like, it's very, it's very odd. Um, but, you know, uh, it does, again, the, the post credit gets, gets me excited for what's to come. I mean, it's, to me, I think clear that they are forming the Thunderbolts. They are forming the Anti-Avengers. Um, they're picking up people who are the reflections of other people. You got U.S. agent, and you've got like you know White Widow slash Black Widow two, whatever yeah. name that they're going to designate her with. Um, so that's really interesting, and that's really cool. And I'm kind of excited to see where that goes and how that continues forward. Um, so there's a like yeah, there's a lot of potential here for like what it's going to become. Yeah, I mean, I for sure hope that uh, they sequelize Black Widow. Like, I I really, really want to see, um, like, the Florence Pugh version of this. Like, I want to see what they do now that she is the character that's still standing, that Natasha is gone. I think that there is also potentially, like, as we, like, get deeper into multiverse stuff um, moving forward based on the ending of Loki, like, now is, like, the door open a little bit more for, like, how, um, uh, like you could still interact like could scarlett johansson come back in some form and could that be like less about like bringing natasha back to the mcu and more about like giving yelena like a really um energized storyline like i think that there could be something really really compelling about her almost going up against natasha as like some sort of adversary um in in a future marvel movie i think could be could be really cool but i i you know definitely have like sort of like the cynical like 
um like this should just have been a phase three movie like it's ridiculous that it's it's happening now like uh it's so it's so late it should have come earlier if it's going to come now like why not tie this more into what happened to natasha i definitely still wish that they had done that and i think it would have um it it feels it feels to me like a a little bit of a missed opportunity to like do something really really emotional um and connect it to the end of natasha's story in a way that really would have felt like I don't know, it clarified what happened with her in in Endgame. But then I, I did start thinking about like sort of like relensing this movie as um not just like the curtain call for Scarlett Johansson, because she is she is also exceptional in this. Like she's so, so good. I think that the way that she plays it is just like she's so confident as Natasha. Like she knows this character inside and out by now. Um and I really, really loved uh every everything that she did with all of the emotional choices for the character. Um, but like less is like the send off and more is like the origin story for Yelena. Like that was like sort of how I started to relens the movie for myself. And as far as that's concerned with this being like the Black Widow is about not Natasha necessarily, but also about Yelena and like setting her up as a new like supreme person of interest for phase four and beyond. That's a really exciting prospect to me to like kind of like view this as not just like a misplaced Marvel movie that should be in phase three but as like an origin story for somebody who's going to really matter in phase four and onward. Yeah. I mean, sure. But that also, then you hit the wonkiness of just like, then where was she in, in Endgame? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and obviously the answer is like, well, she was probably dusted, but like, even for her origin story, you had an entire movie about the importance of these characters and her connections and family. And you then don't have her in the big final massive moments of like these, these huge, huge points in, in these characters lives. So I, it's it's a bump. It's it's going to be a bump. It'll never not be a bump because the movie happened. But there's just so much other good stuff that I think it's fine. Like ultimately, right? Like it, it's 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 a bump that exists. It's a bump in the road of an otherwise very fun ride. Uh, you know, like yeah. it's, it's the one thing where it's just like, oh man, you're going to go on the Black Widow ride. It's going to be great. You're going to have a lot of cool stuff. You're going to go against this other roller coaster. It's going to match you. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be this one point where you hit a turn and you'll like slam against the side and you'll be like, oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. But other than that, <laughs> the ride's great. And I'm sure not everyone feels that. Like I, I, like I, you know, it wasn't even necessarily like a thought that I would have come to on my own, but like I heard yeah, what sure. you said and I was like, yeah, that would really, really have worked. Um, so like that, that's totally fine. I think like the placement stuff is always going to be like a little bit weird for me, but like the movie itself was, was highly, highly, highly enjoyable. Um, I really did like David Harbour. Uh, can I be like a lone voice of, of dissent on David Harbour to a degree though, which is, I feel like the character he plays in like the opening sequence of the movie when they're doing the not Americans the character that we end up with, not even a little bit, not even like slightly the well, character you that we play, end up with. You, you stay 20 years in a Russian gulag. See how you come out. He's of like, he is, he is, he is, uh, I mean, I understand he's undercover, you know? And so like, he's playing like, you know, into like a totally different, but like the guy that you get on the other side of his time in prison is like actually a different character. It's just like a totally, 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 totally different performance in person. Um, and like, I just like couldn't stop thinking about that to a certain degree. It's like, this feels like a different guy. Uh, You're not wrong. Is, this, is he, is he a scroll? Is the, is that going to oh, like, you know? I forgot about scrolls. Uh, I don't know forget. How, I forgot about you him. You can't forget about scrolls. Like, I, I don't want to like take away, like he was like, 
David Harbour is just so good generally. Uh, and I feel like, uh, like some of those moments, like, um, when he and Yelena are singing American Pie, like, uh, like to go from like the big, broad comedy to like, uh, like that really like somber, meaningful moment was really, really touching and beautiful. Like, I don't want to take away from that at all. I just like, I couldn't like get it out of my head of like, he's not that this is a different person. And this is totally, totally, totally 20, different. Twenty character. years in a Russian prison, I man. Guess. It'll change it. Literally change it. It's a whole different person. Did he fight Captain America? Is no. This, yeah, like the, no. Yeah, Steve wasn't around. Yeah. Did he fight a Captain America? Like, are we going to find out that there's more Captain Americas still? Like, we got the Isaiah Bradley not. stuff. Like, are we going to find out? Like, there was like a Captain America for every decade. I hope uh, not. I don't, don't yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want. I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> I want the death. Uh, does he know Ivan? Uh, uh, does he? Does he know Whiplash? No, that would be cool, right? Like, that, that would be a fun connection, right there. Yeah, in the that, Red Guardian movie, which will also be a prequel, and we'll just like keep <laughs> going further and further back in the time stream. Uh, <laughs> I think is is how that'll work. Um, I love Rachel Vice generally. I wish that they had done more with her. Uh, I just, I, I think that she could have, uh, she could have popped a little bit more for me. They bring her in really, really late into the movie. Um, and I've, I have, uh, uh, I have very few issues with, uh, with, with the Ray Winstone villain. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as what he represents, I think that like that's, that's exactly like the kind of guy you want to see them like wail on and just like totally like take down as soon 100%. as like they flip that card over. I really love him as an actor ever since uh, I'm a huge fan of The Departed. He has a huge role in that. Uh, and I had no idea he was in this movie until I started Same. watching the movie. And I was like, whoa, Ray Winstone's the bad guy. Same. Uh, so I was like, there was just like a very like personalized like, oh, you did that for me uh, <laughs> that I was that I was very, uh, very pleased with. Uh, by and large, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Kevin, I know that like we had people submit their Infinity Stone rankings. And in case there's anyone who like has started listening to everything is super because of like the, the Disney Plus show coverage that we've been doing leading up to the Disney Plus shows, we rewatched the entire Infinity Saga. And along the way, we would take, uh, we would take moments to, um, to rate each movie on a scale of zero to six Infinity Stones. Uh, Kevin would give a score. I would give a score. The audience would give a score. We would average that out. And we would have, uh, between that, uh, my score and Kevin's score, we would have the final score for each film. We put out the call for Infinity Stone rankings. I think if only as like uh, like a thought exercise, I think that this is fun because you and I have not done this for the TV shows yet. We have said that like we want to let the TV shows marinate a little bit more before we like officially lock them into like where they fit in the greater MCU for our rankings. I still feel that way. I even feel that way about uh, Black Widow as a, as a movie, but I think it would be fun to just like, where would it land if we were like settled on it today? Like, will it change in the future, which is, I think, an option that we can leave for ourselves. But if it was today, where would it go? Where would the, where would the movie, movie land? Um, with that said, uh, the, the ratings that we've gotten from, from people sending them in, really uh run the gamut i think it goes as low as a three is the lowest that it goes uh and i think it goes as high as does it get a full six from anybody that's that no it, wild it okay. doesn't <laughs> it doesn't but it gets a 5.8 at the highest um, oh wow and there's okay. a, and there's a few in the fives there's a 5.7 in there 
Um, there's some people who, who really, 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 really loved the movie. Uh, and that's reflective in some of the feedback that we're going to get to in, in a little while. Um, I think for me, I'm right now just, you know, it may rise in estimation. I would put it at, uh, like on, on the higher end for sure. Uh, for me, I'm putting it at like a four and a half is, is where I'm at with it right now, which I think is, is still pretty strong. Um, I think like it is like in that sort of like, uh, upper middle tier of MCU movies for me thus far. And I think it would probably have risen if they'd done this earlier. Um, but for, for where it landed, um, I think just like a, a four and a half is probably as high as I'm willing to go right now. And also because I didn't have that, that big blockbuster experience with it, which is my fault. I should have gone. Uh, I wish I had, that I had. Oh, it's okay. I mean, ultimately, I think I'm. I had the big blockbuster experience, and I think I'm probably going to land at the same place at about like four and a half right now for myself. I think, you know, as you said, this is this is something where we can have it here, but like with the multiverse shifting and changing, so can these scores as the universe changes around us. I think it's also it's also good to like state that these might change. Because like we are in a situation sure. right now where it's been two years since we've seen a Marvel movie. It's been two years since we got to experience one of these right so we either can end up really high on it we could really end up like kind of middle of the road i think once it's been like a little bit i think we can get bigger and greater context around it which might help because it's just also like it's like when you you know you, you go on a long flight for 14 hours like it doesn't matter where you end up like you're just gonna be like i'm just glad to get off this plane and so like at a certain point it, you know i'm not saying that's the case but it could just be we're really high right now or, you know, however we're feeling because it's just been so long since we got to go to theater, since we got to experience something like this. Yeah. Um, so that's going to net us out if we were to like lock this in right now, which we're not. We will, we will, uh, we'll do like a ceremony next year. Uh, <laughs> we'll do like a, our own Olympic ceremony. Uh, if we were to lock it in right now, it would be a 4.47 is where it would land ultimately, which would put it at, um, 14th overall in the MCU rankings uh, out of 24 movies right now, which maybe feels a little bit low, but maybe it only feels a little bit low because there's so many MCU movies at this point. Yeah, what's what's around it? What's uh, what's above and below it? Uh, above it uh, is Iron Man, and below it is Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel and Ant-Man. I mean, that's the probably Wa- the right place for me. Then. That's Ant- probably exactly where it is. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so it goes Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then Captain Marvel, and then Black Widow, and then Iron Man, and then the first Captain America. Like that's the like the five uh, the five pronged yeah. thing. Then two on either side part of me is like yeah that's right that's about where yeah i think that's that, about where i think goes. that's about right for me as well um as i said like some people really 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 loved it i want to uh i want to give voice to to those opinions out there got a lot of really amazing feedback from amy chan uh who wrote in with a lot of thoughts on on the film i want to read this bit from Amy. Amy said, before this, Black Panther was my favorite MCU movie, but there's something very comic book move, uh, comic booky about that movie with the colors and the entirely fictional world of Wakanda and the superpowers. Black Widow was just that much more powerful to me because it really is a good old-fashioned action movie. It's self-contained. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's clever writing. It's a straightforward plot and really clear but emotionally complex characters. No superpower gimmicks. This was just about a woman fighting for what she believes in and using grit and determination to do it 
while at the same time knowing her moral compass is ultimately subjective and determined by trauma that's beyond her control. Unlike many of the other Avengers, Natasha doesn't believe her own bullshit or thinks she has some higher calling. She knows she's choosing a side every time, and she knows why she's doing it. I feel so passionate about this movie and what it's finally doing to represent women in the MCU. As a parent, I think this is particularly crucial for kids to know that superhero women do not all have to be sexy and naive like Wonder Woman. This doesn't feel tokenistic at all, unlike some of the other things the MCU has done. This shows that women can be complex, make mistakes, carry guilt and remorse, but also be constantly trying to correct their errors and make the world a better place. Um, that is from Amy, uh, who, who really, really loved the movie, uh, uh, among, uh, among many other people who did. Um, this is from, from Tessa, who said, I really, really liked it. I'm still trying to process if it's because I truly enjoyed the movie and thought it was an upper tier Marvel movie, or if it's because we've been so starved for MCU content <laughs> the past two years that I'm just looking at it through a different lens because it just felt so nice to be back in a the theater watching a Marvel movie again. I haven't fully dissected it yet, but as of now, I'm going with it's a, a pretty great movie that I really loved watching and one that I'm excited, uh, to, to rewatch. Um, Avsinensky, uh, said that, uh, my anticipation for Black Widow was as strong for any Marvel movie of my life this side of Endgame, not only because of the COVID delays and longing to see a big Marvel movie in the theater, not only because Natasha has been one of my favorite characters in the MCU for years, but also because I spent the first third of 2021 rewatching the entire MCU with my seven year old daughter, who has grown into a full on Marvel and Black Widow super fan. Taking her to see her first Marvel movie in theaters was unforgettable, and I couldn't stop myself from welling up as the Marvel title card and music filled our auditorium. The movie itself delivered on every level, seamlessly transitioning between action, darkness, and humor. Florence Pugh was a true standout, showing that she can carry a giant popcorn flick, bringing the same dynamism that we've seen in her indie past. David Harbour was acting in a different movie than the rest of the cast, but I was 100% <laughs> there for every moment of it, um, which I totally appreciate of uh, calling out. Um, from Cutesy, Cutesy wrote in and said, I loved like every single thing about this movie. Uh, for context, I'm originally from Russia, and to Drakov's, and to me, Drakov's character was perfectly cast. I was constantly reminded of a bunch of creepy chief whatever officer dudes that we had when I worked back there. I can't even describe it properly, and I'm not sure that was what they were going for. Might just be a coincidence. Most of the Russian lines were bungled as usual, except for Florence Pugh's, but this time I honestly didn't care. Uh, and can I just say this movie is like 80% unbelievably badass women and 0% forced love stories. That's why, also why, despite all its flaws, I adore Captain Marvel. Um, so that's from Cutesy. So a lot of people who really, 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 really super loved this film. Yeah, and understandably, I, again, it, it was really well done. It was really well executed. Um, and any time that we're going to be able to get uh, a movie that is, you know, representative of, of, of a group of people, that's fantastic. Uh, we don't get enough of it. And so would love some more. And then this was a great piece of feedback from Felipe who says, Florence Pugh, though, that's the tweet. Uh, <laughs> 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 which which I, I totally co-signs. I love that so many people connected to the movie. I really think my experience probably would have been different if I had if I had um if I had been able to get to a theater. I really wish that I had, but I do just want to like be very clear. I really enjoyed it. Uh like a couple of little nitpicky things, but like nothing uh big enough to like uh you know um 
totally like downplay how much I ultimately enjoyed the film. Um, you got anything else on Widow you want to talk about before we turn our sights to to Loki for a little while? Um, I think that's I think that's mainly it. I I shared Robin's hair thoughts, so that 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 uh, uh-huh. we got that last week. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's uh, what are we? That's, that's, that's can I Widow. can I ask a question? So uh, at the end of the movie, she is uh, she is uh, in the hairstyle and the likeness that she will be featured in in Infinity War. Yes. Um. So. Uh, uh, Infinity Infinity War comes out a couple years uh, after after Civil War. Uh, so Captain America, Falcon, and Widow are on the run for that period of time. Um, Hawkeye and Ant Man cut the deal where they're under house arrest. Um, where does where does the end of Black Widow fit with Civil War? Like um with with infinity war rather i guess in so, between those two points like at the end of this is she like going off to do infinity war stuff like do so they- it seems like yeah. and this is this is the part that also hangs me a little bit in terms of like wait um because when it was presented in infinity war black widow shows up in the quinjet but it felt like her and cap and the rest of them have been in communicado for some time and if anything we're like working together for some time but this posits that she has not been dealing with them and that she shows up in the Quinjet and surprises them to rescue them, which is a very strange thing to like have a weird retcon about. But this definitely made it feel like because like she's showing up during Division Scarlet Witch uh, rescue mission in I don't remember where they were, but in European country <laughs> when when they get attacked. Uh, so that's like when this lines up with that that like that's when this is supposed to happen at least that's what it feels like so it is like very odd to me and it does it does again another thing that bumps against me about that ending of just like okay that's odd that that has sort of like been presented this way but okay and again what was she doing where was she how did she escape thunderbolt ross what happened yeah such a weird edit anyway yeah it is it is a strange choice uh what are you gonna do um all right let us begin talking about Loki. Uh, really excited to start talking about Loki. Before we do, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode of Post Show Recaps. Those are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know it's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico Easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. All right, Kevin. Let us go forth into the multiverse. I don't know what happens from this point forward, Kevin. I'm being (laughs) candid right now. Uh, Am I supposed to eat an alligator? Like, what am I supposed to do? I didn't say it for real, did I? Please don't eat an alligator. (laughs) Especially if that alligator is Loki. Uh, I feel one, like time, that would be one time I story. had alligator bites. They were like little chicken nuggets, but they oh, were yeah. alligator. I, they were so good, by the good. way. Yeah. yeah, alligator Loki, I'm, I'm if, if prepared properly, would taste delicious. I with just, a side of uh, Thor frog legs. Yeah, get some like sweet and sour <laughs> sauce with those guys. I think it'd be pretty good. I had uh, frog legs for the first time recently. Oh pretty yeah, good. 
they yeah. they're not awful if done yeah. right you know if done right i i liked them i thought they were done right <laughs> all right I, I think our work here is done so that yeah, was this week's uh yeah okay so uh, they did it they did it oh my they did god it. they did the thing they did the thing uh they did the thing i gotta do like the public mea culpa specifically to like torby like they did the thing uh jonathan major showed up now technically he wasn't kang you know, if we want to get like really technical about it, he, it, was, it he wasn't was Kang. Kang. He just no, he he's was somebody Kang. who uh, a variant at least. Uh, you know, he, he there is a Kang out there, uh, but this guy isn't that. Nec- this is he who remains. Oh my god! <laughs> this is he who remains. This is just because Kang. you call someone like you know, just because they say Voldemort is he who shall not be named. He's still Voldemort. Like it's still, 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 you don't still think the same that like uh, of all the like of all the variants out there, there isn't a Kang that's just named Todd. Uh, there isn't a <laughs> Kang that's just named Jake. Okay, that's fair. Maybe there so is this, a Jake, the, this, Jake the Conqueror. He who remains. <laughs> Jake from State Farm is actually Kang. Uh, that's that's the version of Kang. Jonathan, we get. Jonathan <laughs> Majors <laughs> as he who remains was also just Brandon. You know, like uh, it's not necessarily Kang. Uh, but I think like the the big the, like first of all, uh, I didn't think that they would be able to pull this off. I didn't think they would go here. I was very clear about how I thought it would be another Loki. They ended up really going here. It becomes like a really, 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 really super duper talky episode of Loki, which I was exposition. riveted by. I was like edge of my seat the whole time. I'm so glad it wasn't spoiled for me by the internet. Like this really is like wake up on a Wednesday and watch the thing. Like you need to do that because it's so pervasive otherwise and you're in such deep trouble and it would really suck, I think, to have encountered this any other way than just the natural way. Were you spoiled by it at all? Because I don't think that like... You don't watch it first thing, Kevin. You're you're a risk taker. I had to this time just because yeah. when uh, the day we were recording, I had to watch it early. So yeah. I, I I was unspoiled. So I got to I got to experience it as it happened, so to speak. Um, and yeah, it is you know uh, it is really exciting. It is really cool. I will say like I don't know if it was like Wandavision and Falcon because of like them happening that like it prepped us to be like maybe it won't be that because like even I was like iffy on whether or not they'd actually do it. But it was done in such a way that, like, the clues were there for the fans. And, like, when we saw the clues, I think if you if this had been the first MCU show, with the way that they put the clues out, with the way they were doing things, we probably would have been like, oh, my God, I think they're going to do Kang. Because, like, the fans would have caught the clues. And then the reveal would have happened. It would have been really exciting and really awesome. I think it had a weird effect in its placement because, like, we were used to not having things happen isn't in it, a way that made no, sense. Isn't that an argument for, like... I think that's an argument for this was perfectly placed. I think it's an argument in favor of like, um, you know, with WandaVision, you're expecting like some other big bad to drop or you're expecting Quicksilver. And it's not that those aren't the things that happen um, like a- along the way. And again, like she does become Scarlet Witch by the end of the show. That's important. Um, is it again? Again, is it? It will <laughs> we'll continue. It's potentially important. Uh, you know, uh, Sam Wilson's Captain America. That's important. You know, like they like they go there and like they solidify those things by the end of these shows. But like they don't do the like they don't flip over the like it was it was this uh, secret crazy comic book character all along. I know like the Agatha all along things. I keep saying Agatha because Dungeons and Dragons. The Agatha all along stuff. 
for many people was a twist, but I think a lot of people also thought Agatha Harkness was going to be on the show once this was somebody who, you know, like was uh, like Catherine Hahn is just going to be that character. It's going to be as simple as that. Um, that I think like three shows in, I certainly was the jaded customer. I was like, everyone relax. It's just going to be another Tom Hiddleston or they'll have another person who's a Loki. They'll have like some surprise guest act, guest actor as a Loki. Like they'll do something like that. They're not going to do Kang. They're not going to introduce their next Thanos in the final episode of Loki. And so they did it. And I was shocked. I was shocked. And the thing that surprised me the most, and I know it didn't land with absolutely everybody. Um, there's some people who like it landed with like, a like, like it, it went off the diving board and like, uh, fell into like a, an empty pool and just like landed on cement. Um, for me, it was like a, like a, you know, uh, you know, like three tens, like hold them up. Like I was really, really, really impressed with the, with sort of the boldness of going here um, with like the, the satisfaction of these clues that were along the way and actually paying it off um, with this character. I think like the implications of what they can do with Jonathan majors in the MCU. Now, I think that this also helps to like clarify. So they're going to do Kang and Ant-Man like quantum mania is going to be the Kang. It can be a Kang. Like it doesn't have to be the Kang. Like the whole Kang story could be, it's not about the Kang. It's about many Kangs. And that may be very, 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 very super bad uh, for everybody in the MCU. And to have someone as talented as Jonathan majors, who could probably do a thousand different versions of this character. Like here, he's doing like the Willy Wonka version of, of this character. Like, What's going to happen when he goes like full Josh Brolin Thanos on Kang? Like, I want to see all of this stuff. So it did a really great job of being surprising, but also being very provocative as far as like, not just what this means for, for Loki specifically, although it may be worth noting that I think that that is like a lesser consideration for me than it is like how this will impact the greater MCU. But I can't stop thinking about that stuff. Uh, so just like on that nerdy level, I was really excited about it. It's probably worth talking about, like, did this work uh, super well or super effectively in the context of of Loki, the show? It's so interesting stuff here, right? Like, um, I do like to the placement, like it, it's 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 one or the other too, right? Like, it's it's so hard to say because if it did come first, WandaVision would have been affected like in a negative way. WandaVision came first and prepped us, you know, for not expecting. There's like, it's a lot about like, it's hard to say. And like in different realities, we'd probably have the answer. But in terms of like what it's setting up with Kang, I really, I've thought about this a lot um, since we've discussed, you know, since the reveal happened. And we've talked about it on the show since the, since they talked about it or they announced it. Um, it's really, it's really weird because like on one hand, I was like, oh yeah, Kang to conquer. Interesting. Like really setting up the big villain of the MCU moving forward and all this other stuff. But what if Josh, what if mm. he's not? Yeah. What if Kang is a misdirect? I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but we were discussing this idea. Uh, there was an idea. There was an um, idea that Kang is a misdirect on what they're actually going to have as a big next bad. Cause he's a real interesting, unusual choice, right? The time travel villain. There's a, there's a multiverse aspect, but it doesn't have the almost global scale of like a Thanos, right? And even as, a bad guy, he's not as powerful as someone like Thanos. He doesn't have that power level um, that would almost warrant, like, the Avengers level necessary to to combat him, right? Like, I'm sure they can amp him up. I'm sure they can do a lot of stuff to, like, fix that, you know, give him technology, give him different things because he is a time traveler and he's from the multiverse. You could have a bunch of Kangs. One of them has the Infinity Gauntlet. Three of them have the Infinity Gauntlet. Who knows? But, but, 
and this is also part cynicism, would they introduce the next big bad in a TV show? Mm, seems seems rough. Seems like maybe not. Because again, like how they've been playing with this stuff has been loosey-goosey and what the tie-ins are. So what if Kang shows up and Kang is this presence in the next few movies we're going to get, right? Setting this stuff up of um, with Quantumania. Maybe we see Kang in like, you know, Multiverse of Madness. Maybe we see like all this stuff going on. But then... But then we get to the big one. We get to the one that they announce. And I don't want to say how, but for people who know the comics, Kang is connected to the Fantastic Four. So Kang comes into the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic (gasps) Four are introduced. Mole Man! The Mole Mole Man will emerge from the ground as a real villain of the... No, obviously, this is headed towards two villains that I think could take the place of a Thanos. So we have Kang almost as a setup, as almost this misdirect for the Fantastic Four movie, where they do reveal the big bats coming in, which is, of course, either you can do Annihilus and the Annihilation Wave, or Galactus, who also is connected to the Fantastic Four. And then you have Galactus, the world-devouring, you know, being, as, like, the next big bad showing up for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that has, you know, universal levels of, of danger. I think that has, like, you know, the impact of power. I think that requires probably an Avengers level, um, you know, formation to defeat him. So I think that could be really interesting. And I think Kang is quite possibly a little bit of a setup to lead us down a different path into pulling out and showing us who the real danger is in the future. Well, so I think um, a a way of looking at it that is uh, very relevant potentially is if we're looking at what is going to be like our next infinity saga, uh, is it going to be the Kang saga is Kang uh, like the next Thanos or is Kang the next Loki, right? Like is Kang uh, the next sort of like um, imminent boss fight that you have to get through <laughs> before you see whoever's going to turn around and snarl at the camera and like, oh God, we'll see you in 20 movies. Um, I think that that's interesting and um, not something that I thought terribly deeply about until until just now. But one thing that's worth considering is like, the MCU now versus what the MCU was when Thanos was first introduced, when like the skin in the game and the stakes were like, can you get these characters like these like six characters in a movie together and make it work? Because if not, then none of the rest of this ever happens and they ace it like they totally do it. And now we're in a place where like back then it wasn't like a, a, a like a thing of like two movies a year. Right. It's not, you know, it's it's not like one movie, maybe two movies a year and then like slowly tiptoeing into three movies a year to the point where now we're getting into like not even just four movies a year, but then also like anywhere between like four and six, like substantial TV shows as well. So like to like think about like uh, is Kang going to be like our guy for the next like decade of of uh, of Marvel or is like is it? Is it maybe more that like, um, will these phases almost be sagas in and of themselves, right? Like, is there something to like get to with Kang by the end of phase four, where like you're dealing with that character in the way that like Loki is being dealt with in Avengers, and then like Kang is now along for the ride for whatever is coming next? Um, I think with just like so much content that one of the things that like was so epic about the Infinity Saga 
where it's just like you're getting like these like huge dopamine hits twice a year for, you know, a decade or like three times a year for a decade. And then it builds to this huge, massive event. We're now like now we're just like uh, we're such dopamine fiends with the MCU that we're like we're almost like I, like it's not that we're like not getting the buzz off of the MCU stuff, but like it's like really expected now and it's happening so regularly, I think is the point that like maybe what they're going to build to with that character is something more imminent. Um, I think that that, I think that that makes sense. And whether it's like Annihilus or Galactus for like the one that's like 10 years from now, um, I think like there is the potential here to just like do a bunch of these like shorter sagas in terms of like the actual like time that it takes for these sagas to unfold. Right. Like secret invasion is going to happen in, in phase four, uh, you know, as part of like a Disney plus show. Right. Like I think like, um, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily that that's the way to go. Um, but it's definitely a different path than what was taken to do the infinity saga, uh, writ large. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out ultimately. Right. Cause we are entering also just a different world in terms of like, who the heroes we have are because it's it's not the the crew that we've known for a long time that crew is mostly broken apart so it'll be interesting to see all of it play out and all of it come together because while like you said the the formation of the avengers was so new back then they sort of have to do it again because it's like the the avengers sort of don't exist right now yeah so it, it, it it's a it's a path that needs to go forward i do love the idea of shorter sagas so i do love the idea of getting payoffs quicker um, that is going to be bumps in the road in terms of filming and what it actually means and like how often we're going to get like big Avenger movies. But I mean, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a lot to lead up to Endgame and they have a lot to live up to after it. But I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can do it. So I'm, I'm curious and excited to see how that all goes. It just occurred to me like Kang was always like such a weird, like interesting, like the multiversal threat, like the time threat, right? Like I mentioned, like, the way it did work to me is like if you dealt with a threat like Thanos, how do you do what's the next threat? And it's like time itself could be really fascinating. But he didn't have like the, the impact of like your levels of Galactus and stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll probably get both, which will be great. I, I would love it. I would love all the things. They're going to go. They're going to go to all of these places eventually. But like they do have to like play a, a really long game. Um, And like how long game do they need to play? Like, are they going to like wait? 20 years to give us galactus right like i hope I, not i i i have a that's so depressing yeah that's so depressing to think about but like also like that's kind of cool um but also then it's also like we're just like uh in like those machines in the matrix hooked up to like the milk tubes and stuff uh, for yep. 20 years like oh god I mean, I guess that's just life anyway uh, these days. So, <laughs> oh, we got real depressed here. Oh God, <laughs> uh, everything is just a widow super. Remember, widow everything super. is also a lot not great outside the window, <laughs> but here on the podcast, uh, milk tubes. Um, so I, I but I, I was this a Ridley Scott movie? <laughs> I, oh yeah, of course. I, I loved, I loved Jonathan Majors though. Like whatever they do with him next, I'm so in. Like it was, su- it was such a surprise to have him here, and then it was such a surprising performance. And I think the things that he represents the ideas that were presented were just remarkably compelling to me um and the fact that they just did uh that they they did uh the like the finale was just like it was it was a conversation a lot of it was a monologue and it was like really exposition heavy and like that was my concern it's like how is this going to be compelling like if you're just like going to drop this character in 
And somehow they did it. And I think because like a lot of this character's journey is very reflective of the Loki journey of like, um, there are many me's, you know, and like, it's very complicated, you know, people contain multitudes and there's good me's and bad me's and really bad me's. Um, and I think that the way that they were able to thread it to Loki and Sylvie's journey, I was, I was really impressed by. Um, to the point that, as mentioned earlier, that like decisively the worst part of the finale for me was like every time they tried to veer into action stuff, um, like every time they tried to like make that the choice, um, like the final fight between Loki and Sylvie, like I, I rewatched the episode, um, uh, not terribly long ago just for fun, uh, which is the first time I've done that. Like I usually just watch them and then I'm, I'm basically out. Um, and I watched this one just for fun because I loved the episode so much. Definitely my favorite episode of the season. Uh, and got to the sword fight and just like kept like skip 15, skip 15, you know, just <laughs> until it was done. Like I just didn't want to see it again. Um, they really got to work on that. I think like the action stuff on, uh, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier had some really good action scenes, but like, this in WandaVision, like I really was like a little asleep uh, with some of the action scenes. And every time they like move away from that, it's so great. Like the vision versus white vision thing and the ship of Theseus is so fun and memeable. Yep. Uh, and like the, the, the vast majority of this, like when they were going for creepy and character driven, like I think that that was the, that was the right stuff. That was the hit. Um, so I would say like for, for me, like the finale uh, across the three shows that we've, you know, we've uh, gotten so far from, uh, from Disney plus, um, I, I think like ultimately, like I would say Loki is my top, but I would definitely say as far as the finales, Loki is, uh, like my, my favorite one. I think it's definitely the best finale of the three, in my opinion. Um, there weren't major complaints in terms of like the story beats and all that jazz. Uh, there, I mean, there, well, there are some stuff. I think, I think all three of them have like wonky elements, right? Cause we love that stuff. But then the stuff with like, uh, Mobius and and uh, Ravana and uh, B fifteen was all just like like that wasn't great. Um, so I think there are wonkiness throughout them, but I I probably would rank this one my favorite of the three. Um, but it's it's not my favorite episode. My favorite episode for the season is definitely the one before. It is with the the, the variant Loki's right, yeah. like that with Richard E. Grant as as classic Loki is just an alligator Loki. Like, that's just it's it's too good. It's too good for me. So like that that's probably my favorite episode full stop of the entire Disney Plus uh TV like catalog so far, but um yeah, I I think there was a lot of good stuff, but you at the same point, right? Like what about that, Josh? What about those parts that I just mentioned with the with the other parts of it, right? With Ravana and Mobius and B15 like you got to admit like that's that that was a bit hinky. Um it's like one of those uh it, it um so I'm I'm going to like maybe this is a weird comparison but I'm like I'm going to I'm going to put it up against Justified. Uh the uh Well, I haven't watched that Josh. <laughs> I'm not going to go deep on it. Uh it's criminally I was going to say the criminally underviewed Justified. <laughs> Uh, so I am justified in that statement based on Kevin's reaction. If you're out there looking for like, I, I want a prestige drama to watch that's like of a Breaking Bad level, like, uh, like Justified is exceptionally great. Uh, I've heard it's very Ollie fantastic. It's 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 very Ollie fantastic. It's out there. It's waiting for you. Check it out. I love it. And one of the things that Justified, especially in like the early going, but it was still like a problem for some of it, um, was it had you know a few characters that were like electric. Um, and then they had like a few series regulars that were just really underused. Um, I think Loki has like this problem that you see on a lot of TV shows of like um, the the writing really favoring a couple of key characters. And then there's others who are like series regulars who either like 
have like meandering stories that you're not like fully connected with, or they are really just like kind of kind of there. Uh, and I, I feel like no one was just totally there, um, but I just did not feel as connected to their stuff uh, as I did to like Loki specifically. I would even say that about Mobius at a certain point. Like I feel like Mobius's story uh, could have and. I don't know if it's a hot take, maybe should have ended with him being pruned. Uh, like, I don't know that they, like, I think like you prune him and you come back in that final episode and there's, there's Mobius at like the, at, at, in, in the library. And like, maybe that's more compelling. Um, and like, you have him gone for a couple of episodes. Cause like, you just, we didn't have any time to like, sort of like be wowed by that moment where he got, where he got clipped. Um, I, th- I think that like the show was so focused on like the Loki and Sylvie stuff, which I know is not your favorite thing uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He's shaking his head, folks. Uh, that like it- it's so on that that I feel like every other main character's story felt pretty thinly drawn, and maybe that's the kind of thing that changes. Um, maybe a, a, I think like a couple of your uh, uh, critiques of the show, specifically Kevin, I think maybe is fixed. By literally just like two more episodes, just like throw in two more episodes there. You can like Rick and Morty it a little bit. Like you can have a little bit more of like that early vibe of like, um, like the, the Pompeii stuff. Like you can like maybe like go there a little bit more with just like the, the reach of two additional episodes. That's also time to like, uh, like let us like hook in to, uh, to so many of these other characters in the TVA, whether it's Ravana or Mobius or wh- whoever, like anybody. Like I feel like, we just don't really spend the time with them that a slightly longer episode count maybe would have afforded us. I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think we having a couple episodes or, you know, an episode at the beginning, maybe another one at the end, a little bit extended here and there could have worked in the favor of, of, of some of this, the problems we're encountering. There is obviously a favor towards Logie as the main character, but it's a TV show. You need, if it's an ensemble show and they knew that they were going to have a season two, which seems to be the case. Like they really should have planned that out better because like once you know you have multiple seasons, the other characters do need a little more room to breathe and a little more um, of their own B plot stuff going on. Um, and like I, as I mentioned, I also think the show ended on a weird spot. Like I, I think the impact of like the 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 reveal of the statue doesn't really work for me in terms of like setting Kang up as like a real like threat or danger because we don't know what it is. It's just literally someone telling us that they're a threat and a danger, and that no. Doesn't really work too well, yeah, but you said that, and I didn't. I couldn't quite connect with that from you uh, because, like, I feel like th- even if like he's wrong, then like the one thing that it did prove was he was he was right that things are really going to change, and so like something has shifted, something has changed. Loki's in a place he wasn't before, and the statue he's looking at is decidedly the guy that he just had this like very fateful conversation with. Whether or not he's Kang the Conqueror, um, or he's a more benevolent version of He Who Remains. Is that not a pretty big deal by the end of the season? Because I, I think like uh, like moral alignment aside for the person who the statue represents, I think like the like it does have like the that like uh, Planet of the Apes statue of liberty equality. No, well, no, because the Planet of the Apes statue of liberty was a reveal that <laughs> that, the, that he was on Earth and Earth was destroyed completely. This is a change that we don't know the full effects of yet. And also, the whole thing was to say that like. That that I am a danger, that I am a multiversal threat, that a version of me is going to just wreck shop and it's going to be the worst thing possible. That, that's not conveyed in a statute. It, it doesn't do anything, right? Like, to see a threat, it's it's like, I'm going to go deep here, but I know that you'll get this reference. It's like in Preacher, when he goes and the meat man talks a big game, but ultimately, like, Jesse just wrecks shop on him. And I love that, because it's a guy who, like, t- 
talked a lot of game about how dangerous he is and Jesse just annihilates him. And I love it. I love it because like that's the same thing here. You can have a dude who can just be talking a big game and is nothing. And so like you have to establish the threat. And obviously in Preacher it was meant to be the joke and the inversion. But like in this you have to have someone say it's a threat. You can't have me walk into a bar and be like if someone knocks me out I'm going to really mess you up afterwards because then it's just like, okay, I'll just knock you out. And if you roll credits after that, nothing happens. So like, it's just, it just doesn't really establish it. I'm trying to think of all the things. It's like, it's like the old strike me down now and I'll be more powerful than you can ever imagine. Did you though? Did you even become more powerful? You became a force ghost. I don't know if you did that much. Ultimately, he so got anyway, Luke to Dagobah. right to someone else it would be helpful yeah so anyway it's that's my that's my issue there but i have an idea he told luke to use the force and to shoot the the hole (laughs) without the targeting he told him that yeah Yeah. if not luke would have just overlooked the thing he spent the entire movie learning about old ben ought to get a get get some points on the board for the (laughs) alley-oop of destroying the death star what are you talking about okay here's my pitch though right of uh, how to make uh it more interesting uh, in season two uh, for um, B-15 and Mobius. What you have is that you have one of them ac- accidentally commit a murder and then the other one gets brought in and then they have to hide the murder and hide the body for an entire season. But that's okay. When season three, we'll just ignore that that plot point ever happened and never reference it again, especially when they go into the big game finale to beat the other team of the Panthers. See what I did there? It was I a do. Friday Night's last Yeah, reference. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I like that a lot. Still retain that it's one of the dumbest plot points in a TV show I've seen, but there's a way that you could really improve their story in season two. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, should they have had uh, Jesse Plemons come in so at some point? First here? of all, <laughs> should you have Jesse Plemons come in? The answer yes, is yes, always and forever. <laughs> what did I see him in? He was in the trailer of a movie, and I was like, "Is that Jesse Plemons?" Well, no, I definitely have to watch this where he's playing like the bad guy or something again. Yeah. Uh my god, Jesse Plemons is Loki. I would have loved that. Um that would have been great. Um anyway, I really enjoyed it. I just have to say like I really I, I really really loved it. It it like it was kind of and I think that um you know, I I enjoyed watching the Loki finale more than I ultimately enjoyed watching Black Widow maybe because it was mostly so designed for like dialogue-y, character-y type stuff, uh whereas Black Widow was an action movie and so like I don't know, just like watching watching it on my computer. Uh, I was like used to that for Loki. And then like, I think that there was just like some mental disconnect for me of like, I don't know what I was expecting. Of course, this is not going to be as powerful as seeing it in the theater for the first time for Black Widow. Um, but I just I like I spent the whole rest of the day after I'd watched the Loki finale just like thinking about it. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot in there. And I think that's that's the other thing is that I think that finale really worked for like us, right? Like who are so into uh, a lot of this multiversal stuff who are into a lot of these um, pieces and where they could go, who are a little more familiar with the comics. I think that works like really, really well. Um, so, so that's a benefit, but like, you know, I, I know for some people, obviously like it didn't work as well because they didn't have the direct connection. They don't have like the, 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 the familiarity with a lot of the stuff to really hook them in or, or the multiverse even. Right. Cause I know a lot of people do have the problem with the multiverse. Um, but again, I, I, I think overall, though, it, it worked extremely well and it gets me excited for the future. There's this interesting thing. Also, I don't I wanted to call it out because I saw it was posted and I saw it going around online um, where if you line the episodes up of the finale of WandaVision and the finale of Loki, 
the point at which he uh, says, like, like he realizes something happened and he's like, oh, this is it. This is the moment or whatever. I don't know what happens next. They say, like, that's, that's the big battle. It lines up perfectly with, like, a moment in the big battle in WandaVision where, like, she goes full Scarlet Witch and, you know, blasts her with the runes. That's an interesting one. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it before I share mine. <laughs> yeah, my thoughts are that's really cool. That's fan cut. Right, right? Like, it just feels like it's one of those it's really, things that's where it's really like, cool. That's like Dark Side of the Moon on Wizard of Oz. Like, that's like, it's super neat that that lines up and that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's a fan made thing, which is great. That doesn't mean it's not awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Doesn't mean it's not super cool, but it's not like that's not like what Marvel just did. Yeah. You know? I don't think that they did that. I do think, you know, there is a there is a moment of just like, did they? Because it's like, theoretically speaking, WandaVision would have come right before this in the original lineup of shows. But like the filming obviously was off on a lot of those things because of COVID. So like, I don't know if it really was the case. And there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't make sense in terms of like that happened at a specific time in his past near the end of the end of the world. So it really wouldn't fit like time doesn't work that way. Yeah. But also I think the main reason why that lineup happened is just because that's how story works. Like the episode episodes of storytelling are cut in very specific ways and you have a specific turning point at certain times. If you'll notice, like if you do this, um, if you pause a movie, if you look at a movie at the exact halfway point in almost any movie you watch is going to be the big character reflection moment where the character starts turning and changing their opinion from where they were at the beginning towards the end. So it's the change. It's, it's the you reach the top of the hill in the journey. Like that is a moment. It happens in almost every single movie exactly at the halfway point because that's the tenant of a story and what everyone follows. So I don't think it's it, it was like this big purposeful thing, but I do think it's a real fun fan uh, fan, fan edit slash theory, as you said, Josh. Yeah, I thought it was, I saw that too. It's super fun. You can seek it out if you haven't seen it. it. It does look great, and like it is just like fun, like to like get you hyped for potentially like where things will go. Um, there is that report that's floating out there unconfirmed that Tom Hiddleston is supposedly showing up in, um, in Dr. Strange. We know Elizabeth Olsen is as well. So like, is there going to be some sort of like multiversal adventures that could be really fun and cool? Um, and that would be another reason why it's like, this is especially fun to see like how these things connect um let's do some feedback uh from dave aka drayson uh wrote in and said when the elevator door opened and jonathan majors was sitting there i was just like oh shit they're going there and i was not disappointed um dave that is exactly my reaction the doors open up and there's jonathan majors i'm like okay all right okay okay you know like (laughs) is this gonna be like good or is this like gonna be like uh like a weird way to wrap the show either way like you're doing it okay you've got my curiosity and my attention uh like let's let's lean in a little bit uh so i did that was a great moment uh, in watching the finale it was maybe my like my favorite moment second uh only to um Hey y'all! Just as Miss Mo- showing that up, that was yeah. terrifying. Oh yeah, God. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey y'all! Uh, wow. Uh, so Friday Night Lights, Tammy Taylor vibes from that too. Um, <laughs> uh, Corey Dot says, "So are we good to assume that this version of Kang or Nathaniel? We love how we're actually not given a name in this episode is gone, and that we will get completely different versions in the variants." If so, I really like this as the introduction as Jonathan Majors to the MCU, where we know what's to come, but at the same time, really no idea. Um, can oh, think- spoilers on that name drop, but okay. Do you think, do you, well, whatever. Uh, do you think, uh, and also we have no idea, uh, but there we is don't, like, we don't. 
there's a reason to think that perhaps this guy's name is Nathaniel. Could be one of the names in addition to uh, to Jake and Brandon and the other one that I said that I don't remember. Uh, who knows? Could be Steve. He could be a Steve uh, somewhere in there. Um, do you think that we'll ever see this exact version of him again? Like, do you ever think we'll see like sort of like the Willy Wonka style? Uh, he, uh, he who remains. I hope not. Honestly, yeah. I think it's a great intro. I think it's 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 just such a great reference point for a flip of what we're going to see later. But I hope we don't see it again because it, I I think the purpose of this character was essentially to die, and I think bringing them back in a way that is just like oh he's fine now, um, it loses a bit of its effect. Especially again, you have a multiverse of different things to explore with this character. Like let's hit some different ones, you know. Uh, this was from Jared who said, I'm still not convinced that Marvel knows how to structure TV episodes, <laughs> but that's how you end a season. Uh, glad we got the hard confirmation of season two right up front since it was already so heavily rumored. Uh, yeah, I, I reflect a lot of that too. I think there's still some like TV episode structure stuff that Marvel has to figure out. Um, 100%. I, I like, again, like I didn't sign online, so I didn't see anything. I just watched the episode and then it gets like stamped with the renewed for season two at the end. I was like, well, this is one of my favorite post credit scenes ever. I'm so happy okay. about this. Relax. <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it, I thought it was great. Like, just like give us like, it was something new, it was something different. It's the first show for sure that's getting another season. Did you hate it? Did you think it was useless? Should they have done more? They should have done more. Uh-huh. I mean, like, just being like, a season two is coming. It's like, cool, you could have just what done that, the, What should the post credit scene have been? You could have just had the post credit scene been the Loki inside the TVA, and he sees the statue. That could have worked post credits for me. That would have been a little bit better, but I think, again, I think teasing the statue doesn't do much as a big, big moment at the end of a season. It feels like, again, the it, you you talked about the, the moment in, in Planet of the Apes, right? Like, I feel like there's a contrast because the moment of the statue felt less like the, the Statue of Liberty and more like the um, the remake of Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg where you see the Lincoln Memorial. Uh-huh. That's what it felt more <laughs> like to me, right? Like uh-huh. There's a contrast there. So, But I think if you slap that into the post-credits, it's fine. It, it works because it, it's a post-show moment. It doesn't like... It's, it's a teaser more than anything else. So it doesn't connect directly as like, this is your big ending moment to the show itself. Yeah. Uh, a post-show recap uh potentially um from mike uh this is uh worth considering mike says eight to ten years from now when we get the end game equivalent of the kang arc which we've already challenged the timeline um how are we gonna feel about sylvie there's no character in the mcu responsible for the inciting incident of thanos's conquest but will knowing that Sylvie is theoretically solely responsible for all of the tragedy yet to unfold at the hands of Kang going to severely impact how we view the character when looking back in retrospect? Do you think that blame will be built into the character's story, assuming we see more from her? This is that was from uh, that was from Mike C. Um, maybe I it's tough because Sylvie isn't, in my opinion, a heroic character to begin with. So it's not being, I don't know, it's hard to already place that into a role of just like how we're going to view her with the consequences of repercussions that haven't happened yet. And again, we've challenged the timeline on what it means. I mean, there's domino effects, certainly. Uh, technically, there are people responsible for Thanos, right? Um, the people, the, the, the council members of Titan, when he made a suggestion, they were like, nah, dog. Um, so like, I feel like 
there's a possibility there that like it, it won't really have an impact in that way. I'm hoping we see Sylvie again. I think we'll see that journey. I think we'll see that guilt and that character stuff happen in the show. But I really don't like Sylvie's a character who I probably think won't be transferring over into the main MCU movies and storylines. So I don't think we're going to get that sort of stuff um, played out in the show itself. Yeah. Or um, the MCU itself. If they do the um, if they do the thing that we're talking about a little bit here, just as an idea of like um, smaller sagas. And so like Kang is actually resolved at some point in the next few years, because there's just so much to do there. Um, uh, do you think that they could resolve the Kang storyline on Loki or does it need to be a bigger event than that? Well, that's my, that's my other fear, right? Like we know he's going to appear in quantum mania. So that makes it a little bit better. I don't he ha- think he, he needs has, to be. He has to appear in season two of Loki, right? I mean, like they set him up as such an important force in Loki's world that you can't do season two of Loki without some version of Jonathan majors. Right. Certainly, and that's coming out. I, I mean, like, let's like if we're theorizing and this is working like re- regular TV shows, it's coming out next year. Quantum Mania is also coming out around the same time, so you're going to have the tie-in. You can you have think Loki season two is going to come out next year. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, so I think that there's, I think there is potential for for him wrapping up in Loki, which to me I wouldn't like as much because that goes back to the things like what's the point of these shows then you know like like if they're not like the impact of the show ultimately is gonna be like well i guess the multiverse of madness is happening it's like do we really need a show for that and again like you could just wipe that away in doctor strange of like in a line or two about how it happened so you never really had to watch the show but you introduce a villain like kang at least as a piece of setup i feel like it's a little more impactful you technically don't have to watch this to like see this massive villain show up later in the movies but it's an interesting piece of context. Um, you just have it only exist within the shows. Then eh, it's another one of the like, all right, the shows are its own thing, I guess. You well, know? not even that it only exists in the shows, but can it be resolved in the shows? You know, like, can it be something that exists in the movies and also exists in uh, in the Disney Plus shows? And like, is a Disney Plus show going to be a big enough event that this can be a place where it ends, where they can like resolve a story here, or does it have to be a theatrical release? If they want this to be big, it has to be a theatrical. I don't think they're going to be able Why? to pull Why off the multitude. Why does it have to be? What does it have to be? It's just how it like it's the way that people are going to feel about it, right? Like the right. fact that it's in a movie makes it bigger. The fact that it's in a Marvel, it's lesser. Than, universe it's lesser movie. than if it's a show. Yeah, and I don't necessarily fully agree with the with the conceit, but it's just I think that's the that's the way the public opinion kind of will skew, right? And just perception as a whole, like theaters are experiences for a lot of people, and so I think if you have it resolve on the show, um, it's not going to be as big of an event as if it resolved in a film. Ultimately. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, anything else on on Loki? Uh, anything we want to say because we're not going to be talking about it anymore? That's season one. We'll be back for season two of it. We'll still be here on the podcast talking about all sorts of stuff. But is there anything more Loki-ish you want to talk about? Now, do you think we'll get a Loki tie-in in What If? Um... Maybe not season one, but probably season two, right? We're going to get a tie-in for sure, because I think the tie-in is going to be the existence of the multiverse, right? Like, that is going to be the tie-in, like, the the fact that it's happening. And so I'm very curious and interested about, like, how that's going to play out. But I think that's going to be, like, the very beginning. Um, And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's going to be a through line um, that's going to happen throughout uh, What If? I I feel like it's more anthological than than it is going to be, like, um um uh serialized but 
I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm really pumped. It's 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 weird. I'm such a weird place with these Marvel shows because I'm really pumped for what if. But like the show I have in my head about what I want it to be, I don't know if I'm gonna get because I haven't really gotten that yet um, for any of these. But it's the one I have the most hope for that it will be just because of the conceit of the show that yeah. makes sense um all right kevin well then let's let's call it here uh that's gonna do it for black widow that'll do it for loki uh we're going to take the week off on everything is super coming up but when we return we start that what if speculation revving right up we're doing it we're getting into it what if it's happening animated mcu I have a lot of thoughts about it, and I, I'm just really excited to have like a meaty conversation about it uh, as like our, our, uh, our curtain raiser. So look for that podcast dropping in your feeds on August 6th. In the meantime, so much else happening on post-show recaps, whether it's the patron feed or the main feed. But just as a reminder for that patron feed stuff, uh, Kevin is talking about Twilight with Melissa Woodward on the YA podcast. Uh, a podcast name that I will never feel confident saying out loud. <laughs> uh, that's going to be dropping in the Poster Recaps patron feed on July 30th. Uh, there will also be a Batman Forever conversation in the Post Show Recaps patron feed. This does not preclude, by the way, the eventual everything is baddie. We're going to have to do that. We're just, you know, we're not quite there yet. So consider this uh, an additional Batman Forever conversation uh, on top of whatever Batman Forever podcast we do when we start doing full court Batman coverage at some Especially point. Especially since I'm going to have to talk about Batman Forever because of how much I love it. So one and- day we'll get there well it is also a live event it is worth noting that you can sign up for the post show recaps patreon at that discord level we record um we're going to record the batman forever podcast live for the patrons of post show recaps and if you are interested you can sign on you can be on the show you can ask us your questions live on the air uh we're going to be recording that at 9 p.m eastern on july 28th in the post show recaps patron discord so that is at that ten dollar level if you just want the podcast you're at that five dollar level you're getting so much bang for your buck we really appreciate the support we're very excited about what we're doing over there uh so consider signing up if you are interested patreon.com slash post show recaps find kevin on the internet uh that's just a directive i wasn't gonna plug your social media no, that's fair. Just find, <laughs> find me <laughs> as I run off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> at Kev Mahadeo on the Twitter bots. Kevin, anything else? Uh, nope. I think that's really it. Um, I'm really excited about uh, where we're going next with um, YA after Twilight. We haven't announced it yet, so I'll keep it a secret. But I'm really like hungry to dive into that content. Yeah. Um, some, so, f- some fun in games. Yeah, probably it's to be, be had. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. So we're really looking forward to to where that podcast is going. Um, and yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for what if Josh. I'm I'm excited to explore the possibilities of what if I had a different co-host. But w- <laughs> what if you weren't excited? Uh, is another uh, thing that we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> and what if we didn't podcast about Marvel's What If? These are the questions that we're gonna have to ponder when we get to to the oh, podcast. Man, so should for the preview show, should people send us what ifs? Like, yes. what if that we should explore? Very much. And I think we'll be doing that along the way throughout the podcast, I, I expect. Uh, but we would uh, 100% love to entertain your what ifs. So send that along, super at postshowrecaps.com. Whether it's a what if about this specific podcast, everything is super. Or if it's a what if about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If it's a prediction for what we'll see in what if. If it's a desire for what you would like to see in what if. 
if it's a, like, please, God, no, what if, uh, all of that stuff. We would love to get that from you. And I'm sure Kevin and I will generate our own as we're going to have that conversation. Should be a really, really, really fun podcast. Worth the wait. We appreciate your patience as we're just going to take a little bit of time off on the podcast here in between this and what if. But we will be back in due time. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.